I V M. Facebook or Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg bets that VR, AR, and immersive tech will become a part of daily life for ordinary people in the long run. The metaverse will change the way social interactions, business, medical, and retail industries work. Hello, I'm Shila Ditya, and I'm going to be talking to Nishit Srivastava. In today's episode of Capgemini's Techipedia series, we'll be discussing the metaverse and the many ways in which it's going to transform the world as we know it. We're going to get real meta, so let me get my coffee ready, and we'll be back after this break. Do you wonder why China does the things that it does? I want to know how we could improve online privacy. Or perhaps you're thinking about how we can kickstart India's economy. If you'd like to search for the answers to such questions, check out All Things Policy, a daily public policy podcast that covers everything from employment figures to aircraft carriers. Tune in from Monday to Friday for new episodes and fresh takes. Hi, Nishit. Uh, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing very, very well. Thank you, Shilajit. Thank you for having me. No, it's great to have you here. And of course, this is uh, Capgemini's Techipedia, the first uh, episode. Uh, it's great to have you here as our guest today. I think, you know, the topic we're going to discuss is something very interesting and can get very, very meta to say the least. So why don't you, you know, uh, just to help everyone listening in, uh, if you could give us a quick introduction about yourself, you know, your background as well, and then the topic we're going to discuss today. Let's just say I'm not a man of few words. So I'm an executive vice president with Capgemini in India, and I'm the chief technology and innovation officer. I also head what's called the India Industry Platform. Um, I'm, I've been here uh, for a few years now, but half my career, I've been a startup guy. So much of what nice. reflects in my work okay, comes from an orientation, which let's just say is a little different from the usual corporate uh, engagements you will right. have, the conversations you'll have, and, and, and it will reflect in my discussions today with you. Amazing. And, you know, that exactly is probably what we need, that perspective on the topic at hand. Uh, we are obviously talking all over, you know, the about the metaverse, about uh, the new, I would say, dimensions uh, that we are dealing with in our, uh, you know, day-to-day life. But before to dig deeper into that, maybe if we can first talk about the origins of this, you know, like where... I think we've seen the uh, terms like VR and AR and you know metaverse more recently thrown around a few times uh, in the past decade or so. So what actually is the origin of this technology uh, before it is became what it is today? So there are plenty versions of what I would say would be strong early contenders to the origin of present day uh, VR technology, you know, including the Sensorama in the 50s which were, you know, like arcade-type uh, cinema brutes uh, in, in US yeah. uh, to the first yeah. portable head-mounted VR you know, device in the 60s and many others that followed. But the term virtual reality itself, okay, or VR, right, yeah. was first yeah. used in mid-80s, mid I beg your pardon, by a computer scientist called Jaron Lanier, okay, who's, mm-hmm. who's actually a, an, a very amazing personality. His parents were survivors of the Nazi Holocaust, okay? And so he gained a very different perspective to life as a family, you know, fled places and countries and lived rough in tents, etc. 
He then emigrated to the U.S. for education, okay, uh, New Mexico University, and became a computer scientist. Hmm. Interestingly, he worked for Atari, which was a very early electronic yeah. gaming company in California, you see, yeah. um, which yeah. is where he got the inspirations. And he then co-founded what's called VPL, Virtual Programming Languages Research. And later, they went bankrupt, okay? So he sold all of his VR-related patents, etc., to some microsystems. Uh, mm-hmm. But here's the cool part. He's a visual artist, okay? He's what's known as a computer philosophy writer. He speaks on topics mm-hmm. like, you know, cybernetic totalism and some other very, wow. really interesting topics, okay? He's a futurist. He's a composer of contemporary classical music. In fact, wow. he owns nearly yeah. 2,000 rare musical instruments, okay, in his private collection. And it was Jaron Lanier who actually developed the gear, including goggles and gloves, to experience what he first called virtual reality some 37, 38 years ago. And wow. VPL was the first company to sell VR goggles and wire gloves. So, you know, that's a very colorful and immersive origin for VR technology for you. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, it's interesting that, you know, someone who has so much, I would say, you know, rich culture and, of course, taste is the, the person who actually imagined the future as, it, as we are seeing it now. And, uh, you know, now today, probably the people who are experiencing VR and, in fact, all of us who have access to similar technologies uh, right in, let's say, comfort of our home even, we are able to actually experience all of these environments which he and, you know, folks like him probably envisioned, right? Being surrounded by, you know, all sorts of simulations. Uh, In fact, fact, what are those? What are those, you know, various types of, let's say, environments that sort of uh, were early VR based on? You know, what you just mentioned, you know, living in 10 sounds, whatever it does, but, you know, that's what gave him the idea of what he called also geodesic domes, right? So, and and look, life throws opportunities at you, scenarios, environments, and you just need to have the time, okay? So, and that's what eventually, you know, went on to his vision of what would be known as virtual reality. But let me just come back to the question that you asked. So VR as it is today and the simulated environments that have spawned, you know, as you see them around you, is a result of an evolution of many factors like, you know, from space research to gaming to entertainment and, and you know, those things over decades. The early examples of simulated environments that come to my mind are, you know, NASA, you can't uh, wish them away. In the early 90s, they designed a VR system to drive the the rover, you know, the robot rovers on Mars yeah. from Earth, yeah. supposedly in yeah. real time, okay, despite uh, signal delays. Um, right. Sega and Nintendo, okay, virtual video games, you know, they were never commercialized, but in the early 90s, you know, they set the virtual reality gaming in motion, right? Um, mm. I don't know if you re- recall the second life, okay, in 2003. Yes, which, yes. Yeah. Today, it boasts of thousands of virtual experiences and communities, but I do remember, you know, I had just finished my graduation then. The idea completely blows you away, doesn't it? So, yeah. you know, yeah. users can could customize realistic avatars, meet with other players, create virtual items, own virtual property, exchange goods and services, yeah. just like we hear in today's uh, future metaverse, right? Yeah, yeah. Then, you know, we're users of the Google Maps, right, which was launched in 2007, which gave you a street yes. level, you know, 360 degree view. You, and, yes, you know, they course. hired a company, they hired a company, you know, which used what are known as dodecahedral uh, cameras, okay, yeah. uh, to give that uh, 360 simulation. 
And then I've got kids, okay. Very early on in life, uh, they got onto what's called Minecraft. Yes. Okay, which oh. was launched uh, actually in 2009. You know, it's consumed my kids' times and years. Oh, it's extraordinary. I, it sets your imagination afire, you see. I'm not complaining. So, you know, they yeah. had the free run at it. But speaking of kids, Shiladitya, right? You can't forget yeah. Disney, you know, yeah. who in fact played around with the VR since 80s, actually. But settled for IMAX screens and then, you know, later blended, uh, you know, several uh, 4K resolution displays in their eponymous uh, Disney-themed caves, you see, um, to give that immersive feeling. Because, yeah, without the queasy part of being in a yeah. VR. Yeah. And then museums, you know, from the Louvre in France to the Smithsonian in US to the Tate Modern Gallery in the UK, all have many cool VR and immersive reality showcases for a while now, actually. Jurassic Park, fairy tales, you know, many more contemporary subjects. So plenty of simulated environments uh, exist today and, and for decades, actually. So, you know, uh, Nishit, you mentioned like so many things that we can all experience, you know, in reality today, like museums and so so many other uh, places where VR has become commonplace or at least a technology that's used to, you know, showcase mixed reality sort of experiences. But there's been a disproportionate sort of impact on the gaming industry, like you mentioned, especially with Minecraft and so on and so many other uh, sort of uh, titles, right? What do you think? is that about i mean how how deep is that impact on the gaming industry so let me tell you another fun story okay to connect the origins of vr and gaming and this one involves a different character not not the previous one so this is a 15 year old curious teenager called palmer lucky who was a passionate collector and enthusiast of old vr headsets from the 80s and 90s okay so this palmer uh, kid a teenager okay used to frequent these liquidation sales and government auctions you know, for their relics of failed VR initiatives, you know, plenty of uh, graveyards uh, on the journey. And during one of these visits, okay, he bumped into John Carmack. I mean, if if anybody who's a gamer, okay, would recognize the name. So John Carmack, okay, was the legendary gaming programmer of video games like Quake and Doom. Okay, and uh, this guy, he was so impressed with this kid's vision, Palmer's vision, and with his... uh, you know, he had created this duct type prototype, okay, of VR headsets that he took to demo it in the world's topmost gaming forums, okay, and uh, mm-hmm. that gained a lot of media publicity, a lot of public interest. Palmer, you know, eventually dropped out of college, you know, uh, and started a Kickstarter campaign to raise two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars when he was just nineteen, and ended up raising two and a half million instead, okay, a super duper wow. hit. Yeah. But get this, that VR headset would later be called Oculus Rift, okay, to forever wow. transform the yes. virtual reality landscape. And within two years, Facebook acquired them for $2 billion, yeah. okay, from a 250K Kickstarter campaign to $2 billion in two years and promised them, gave them a free hand, free branding, and which is when the Oculus VR headsets, okay, as we know them today, they, they, they hit escape velocity. So I wouldn't be far from the truth if I said that the gaming industry is what spawned VR tech as we know it today. But you see, yeah. the roles flipped when Oculus Rift was launched. The child became yeah. the parent and VR tech in turn gave a massive fillip okay, to the gaming industry in a legendary role reversal. As wow. things stand today, yeah, uh, you know, VR gaming market itself, okay, just in the US alone, is forecasted to generate some 20 billion uh, US dollars by 2025. And 
you know, uh, it makes one wonder how the innovators at those Japanese gaming companies like Sega, Nintendo, Virtual Boy, yeah. you know, who ostensibly attempted the first VR headsets uh, for video games in the early 90s, how they might have felt about uh, jettisoning their first mover advantage, you see. But but that's yeah. the nature of innovation, right, Shiladitya? Mm-hmm. Right? Market timing and pulse is absolutely everything. A strong connection there. No, absolutely. In fact, uh, you know, uh, I want to go deeper into obviously the metaverse because that's exactly what the Oculus has uh, brought about for us, uh, especially uh, with the involvement of Facebook and Meta as we know it today. Uh, But before we do that, let me take a quick break uh, and come back uh, to talk to Nishit a little bit more. Have you ever wondered where the business world is headed? How the ways in which we create, market and sell to consumers will evolve? Or if we'll ever go back to wearing pants while working? For answers to all of this and more, tune into Advertising is Dead with me, Varun Dugirala. Every Tuesday, as I talk to entrepreneurs, leaders and change makers from across business, media, marketing and beyond, you can catch all episodes of Advertising is Dead on the IBM Podcast website, app or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Uh, you know, Nishit, uh, you've been sharing some amazing stories with us on the origins of uh, VR and now the metaverse as we know it, uh, especially, you know, uh, you know, with all the impact that it's had on, you know, industry in the past. But now the word metaverse itself and, you know, as it exists today, right, especially like you mentioned after the birth of the Oculus Rift and, you know, the, how it's transformed. Could you tell us a little bit about that, you know, like that's existed, like you said, as a concept in gaming uh, for much longer. So how has that evolved? So the origins of the metaverse can be traced back to a 1992 novel, okay, a dystopian novel mm-hmm. called The Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson, which is where you'll find the term metaverse for the first time. But, yeah. uh, you know, but basically what metaverse is, is, is a digital universe, right, created by using different technologies like virtual reality, mixed reality, augmented reality, uh, there's augment virtuality, artificial intelligence, right? Connectivity, 5G, right? The internet in itself. And, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, fundamentally, very importantly, cryptocurrency, right? All of mm-hmm. these form the building blocks of the metaverse, okay? Now, when you look at metaverse, right? The, the key blocks, telepresence, okay? Uh, digital twins, and blockchain, okay? So you see, telepresence is needed for people to interact virtually, right? Between themselves, as well as with the digital assets, like we saw, right. you know, happen in Star Trek TV series in the 70s and 80s, right? Yeah. Um, digital twins are at the core of what, in Capgemini, we call the intelligent industry, or industry 4.0, impacting, um, you know, manufacturing to to remote uh, maintenance and operations to supply chain etc and shiraditya this is across industries okay from automotive to medical technology medtech as they call to aerospace mm-hmm. and defense etc and the third one i mentioned was blockchain right which is basically for trust and traceability yeah. for a myriad uh, use cases that are emerging particularly as crypto takes a firm root in many many forms okay and the infrastructure behind today's metaverse has been created by tech giants, right? So you've got mm-hmm. Microsoft to Meta or previously Facebook, right? Apple, mm-hmm. NVIDIA, Unity, Amazon. There are plenty of yeah. these guys, okay? Very large infrastructure providers. And of course, there are builders, right? They're like Decentraland, uh, Roblox, 
you know, if you've not heard of yeah. these names, you will. Yeah. Okay? Uh, yeah. Minecraft, I mentioned. Then there's Niantic, okay, who created Pokemon Go, if you remember. Yeah, yeah, of right? course. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And this allows a massive number of people to gather and transact in virtual environments uh, across industries. Okay. So people use the metaverse to socialize, to buy products or play games, or even interact with their colleagues in the virtual metaverse office. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, the, the second point you made, right, that the concept existed in gaming for much longer. That's true. And it's also because, you know, the massively multiplayer online games or commonly known right. as MMOs yeah. and film arcades and fun theme parks, right? They all share and actually precede many of the metaverse's uh, properties of today. So <clears throat> games like uh, Minecraft, GTA, uh, which is Grand Theft Auto, of the, course, League of yes. Leg- the League yeah. of Legends, the World the of Warcraft. The of the world, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Crossfire, Counter-Strike, all of these have displayed so many of the present-day metaverse attributes and for decades now. And, and, you know, so when the technology manifests itself and appears across so many forms, right, you know that the time has come. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder. In fact, you know, just on that point, like what what is a real metaverse one can jump into right now? I know there's a lot of grand plans by all of these very large firms, uh, but what's, let's say, you know, is a real world example of a metaverse, which you think amongst all of the things you mentioned is fairly established or someone, uh, you know, has, has set the bar for what the future will be. So, you know, I think Spielberg made it a lot easier for me to respond to that question for you to imagine. Have you seen uh, Ready Player One, the movie? Yes. Yes, of course. Ah, There you go. So it was released in 2018. And, uh, you know, those that have watched it can begin to visualize how the metaverse manifestations might look like in 2025 years time. Right. The movie within the movie. Right. Mark of Humanity uses a virtual reality simulation called the Oasis to escape the real world. And. Everybody's life is intertwined in that simulation, right? With avatars and personas and special powers, props and coins to be won and losses to be made. And, you know, the virtual reality even of careers and competition and even romance, right? So that's the thing about Metaverse. You can be anybody, anywhere in in a full 360 degree immersion driven by superior user engagement and, you know, cutting edge uh, and rich game environment and literally infinite content, okay, and, and the scenario of possibilities. So today, plenty of metaverse examples in existence. My favorite example would be Decentraland, okay, which is a virtual marketplace uh, launched in 2015, so not too long ago, but it created the world's first iteration of a virtual democratic world. You know, hmm. the concept of DAO or Decentralized Autonomous Organization. Yeah. You'll read about that a lot these days. Of course. Of where, course. Yeah. yeah. Where marketplace contracts and policies and rules and the entire framework, uh, you know, are governed by the user community, you know. Yeah. And even, you know, to what an avatar can wear or not, how auctions would work, what NFTs or, you know, non-fungible tokens are to be allowed, how to moderate content, what are the rules of engagement, etc. Okay. Correct. In fact, it's got its own cryptocurrency called Mana, and all of the mm-hmm. transactions are recorded on a blockchain. 
So, so it's, uh, you know, Decentraland is practically run like a nation. And you can begin to imagine with that example, the many, many possible mm. societal and even tribal scenarios of the future, right? And then, of course, uh, Shiladeti, you'll have yeah. heard of the Fortnite VR concerts. Of course, because, of course. So these concerts are from Epic Games, right? Which is a gaming company, which has actually set a scorching trail behind it. So you have Ariana Grande, okay, who's performed there. Travis Scott, yeah. 12 million yeah. people tuned in. Marshmallow, yeah. they've all performed there. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. the rumor mill has it that, you know, it's going berserk actually on when Lady Gaga and Maroon 5, etc. will perform. Wow, so, imagine that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and... You've got plenty of top-tier concerts on Roblox and Minecraft VR as well, okay? And, you know, but before, you know, you and I aspire to be one of the hundreds of thousands of fans, you know, present yeah. in those concerts virtually and immersively, interacting with each other, I think, you know, you'll need a hundred times more computing power collectively than exists today. So we may have to yeah. wait a while for that. No, definitely. But I mean, this is definitely a reality that's already here, especially oh. like you mentioned, gaming, entertainment. These experiences are possible today uh, through these various platforms. But what's probably also most interesting, just to you know, bring us back to reality a little bit, uh, is how will this impact our the rest of our lives? You know, like how does the metaverse impact business uh, or medicine or you know, uh, services and retail, like the things which we do daily. What's your, what do you see happening there? So that's a long list of domains you've mentioned, okay? It's worthy of a podcast by itself. But let, let me attempt that quickly. Yes. So in terms of business, right, just to give you an idea, as the world moves toward, well, as the world moved towards total lockdown in 2020, uh, Fortnite, okay, the Fortnite concerts that I talked about, yeah. made roughly and get this, $300 million by selling wow. cosmetic skins, dances, and, and pre-released game modes you know, to its users. In fact, Bloomberg suggests that the metaverse-related business is anticipated to reach some $800 billion US dollars by wow. middle of this, uh, of this decade, 2025. So the business impact will be across uh, will be felt across industries. Yeah. Healthcare you talked about has been an intensely regulated uh, field, but the pandemic itself, you know, right, has fundamentally changed the outlook in many ways. So things are accelerating. For example, you know, medical training and learning, right? Mm -hmm. How on earth would you have done it, you know, in a remote world, right? I mean, imagine doctors, right? So yeah. VR is being used in the training of doctors and medical staff, providing a 360 view a 360 degree view of uh, ailments or of a replicating, you know, real world procedures. Telemedicine is extending these learning concepts to the real world, in fact, okay, yeah. uh, where remote um, specialists are guiding local healthcare workers to deliver superior diagnostics. In fact, even therapies like psychiatric cons consultations, right, with VR headsets in the metaverse. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, you see, it brings a semblance of close proximity with the therapist, right? So the okay. sessions become more effective, and uh, you know you can't fool the brain beyond a point. But VR simulates the real world, right, uh, far more effectively. Then, of course, surgical procedures, pre and post-op uh, surgery assessments, wellness and fitness, right? Yeah. Game mechanics in a non-game environment, right? To connect healthcare providers, patients, delivering physiotherapy remotely, smarter workouts, right? Yeah, virtual instructors that's, and such. So 
that's already happening. I think workouts have weirdly enough become virtual with your Oculus headset. I think I've seen a few. (laughs) It's huge. There have been many examples and they're still being studied. You could have had motor impairment, okay, within your body, not able to move, but using a, a combination of certain types of music and certain gaming, uh, game mechanics, people have been able to begin movement of, you know, limbs that hadn't wow. earlier. So it's extraordinary what it can do, okay, which is why top-tier medtech companies are acquiring mixed reality startups to merge the real and the virtual worlds, right? And that illustrates the way the therapeutic, the, the medical, uh, the surgical environments, etc., will change in the coming years. So that's a lot going on in the healthcare world. On retail, okay, um, that's taken to the metaverse in a big way, if only to address the waters, uh, but, you know, some pretty far ahead. So, you know, so we have now virtual estates like the Sandbox, uh, it's called, mm-hmm. where Carrefour, right? Carrefour is that retail giant. It's a European giant. Correct which has bought virtual land equivalent to a dozen or so supermarkets together, okay, to develop. Wow, yeah. Uh, yeah. Louis Vuitton, uh, LVMH, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Nike, and many other top brands around the world, okay? Uh, Coke, everybody who you know, okay, uh, are testing their toes in these waters. And, you know, today Capgem and I, we're engaged with many of them. I can't name them, of course. Yeah. But what yeah. they're talking about is, is just extraordinary. Um then auto giants, right? Like uh, Hyundai Motor Company, they launched yeah. their, you know, the mob- they call that the mobility adventure on not on mm-hmm. the sandbox but on Roblox, okay. featuring their products and the yeah and the future mobility offerings immersively. So you know, if I'm a young enthusiast, right, aspiring to buy a car, for example, right, I can begin to imagine what the new you know, technology is going to look like immersively, right? I might be able to drive it around on Roblox and get a feel for it. And then it, this was in the news, right? Nike acquired, yeah. uh, you know, an uh, NFT studio, which produces digital collectibles. Seven mm-hmm. million people yeah. have visited. It's a superplex. It's called the superplex. Because now, now it's not just how many people can you hold, right? Yeah. It's how much of computing power, right, is needed to hold infinite number of people, right? So they call that the Nike land, uh, again on Roblox, uh, to view their shoes. And, you know, they get real celebrities like NBA's uh, LeBron James, by the way. So the interactions can be as close to the real thing as possible, right? So Nike and, and, you know, the customer experience part, right? Which Metaverse actually fosters and encourages. So it gives you personalization. It gives you gamification, uh, you know, of yep. the entire shopping journey. It gives you the differentiation you're looking for, you know, individual to individual. While maintaining that, it's called the H2H, human to human interaction. That approach, mm-hmm. you know, is now becoming quite central to how consumers will increasingly purchase, you know, well, it's said that they will purchase more often from brands that uh, propose the augmented reality, you know, than yeah. those that don't, right? So <laughs> the boundaries between the real and virtual was are diminishing faster than we realize, you know? No, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, everything you spoke about uh, has, uh, I'm sure everyone listening in has either experienced it themselves or definitely come across it. It's that real now. Uh, it's no longer inaccessible or only in the domain of enthusiasts. It's very much uh, in the yeah. world around us, you know, and it's changing our lives. It's changing the way we interact, the changing the way we work. So we are 
pretty much progressed into this sort of a futuristic world. It's just waiting for, you know, more and more people to jump in and adopt. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the biggest impact, I think, of all that. You know, it is truly global. It is truly here. Computing and uh, connectivity, like you said, is also here very much. I think yeah. India is also seeing that, uh, you know, the launch of 5G. So I think we'll only look forward to more and more uh, immersive uh, experiences in the metaverse from here on. But thank you, Nishit. Uh, thank you so much for this conversation. This was amazing. Uh, and I think for everyone else uh, listening as well, this was the first episode uh, from uh, Capgemini's Techipedia. And uh, of course, if you have uh, questions, if you have, if you want to be a part of this conversation, maybe even, you know, ask yourselves about uh, where you want to be in the metaverse, uh, please reach out to us. I'll be sharing contact details. And of course, uh, you know, come be a part of the conversation wherever you're listening to this show. I'm on Instagram uh, at Shiladitya, and I'll see you on the next episode of Capgemini's Techpedia series. Thank you so much for having me. And maybe the next time you and I will be together in the metaverse, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Instead of being on the screen. Exactly. Enjoyed my session with you, Shiladitya. Thank you so much. So like you heard, the metaverse is slowly going to change all our lives. From everyday social interactions to daily work, entertainment, gaming, whatever you probably will do in the future, there'll be a part of the metaverse in it. And that's one of the biggest things that society will change in the way they interact with everything around us. So if you have an opinion, come be part of this conversation on Instagram. I'm at Shiladitya and I'll see you on the next episode of Capgemini's Techipedia series. Hello, everybody. It's been another great week on the IVM Podcast Network. On Cyrus Says His Cock and Bull, Cyrus, Naveen, Vagda, and Antarik talk about the American mother who was arrested because her kid took marijuana-laced gummies to school. Vagda is a co-host for our show Press Decode, so if you haven't been checking that out, check her out on that show as well as this one. The Simplified Gang explore Mumbai through Naren's stories and observations. On All Things Policies, the Takshashila folk discuss the U.S. Supreme Court's potential decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. On the Life Manifesto, Zarina introduces us to Don Miguel Ruiz's Four Agreements of Life. And on Hansavani, here the store Nai Idga. It explores the role of media amidst a state of religious animosity in our country. Do follow us on social media. We're IVM Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, we've been doing a series of profiles of people within the office, so do check that out for sure. And remember, if you're enjoying this show or any of our other shows for that matter, please do tell a friend. Also, don't forget to rate us on any platforms you're listening on. And you can also check us out on YouTube. We have a page on our website, ivmpodcast.com slash YouTube with a list of all our channels. We're also doing a small listener survey to better understand how you, the listener, responds to the advertising on our network. And also, we just want to know a little bit more about you. We would really appreciate it if you could spare a few minutes to fill it out. It will really help us build some better shows for you. And finally, we'd like to thank our sponsors on the network this week, SBI Life Insurance and Jupiter, a digital banking app. There's a quick survey to fill out on ivmpodcast.com slash survey. It lets us know a little bit more about who's listening to us. And you know what? We're going to do a few prizes. So, I mean, like, we'll do a random drawing of, like, maybe 10 people and we'll send you all some swag. Remember, that's ivmpodcast.com slash survey where you can fill out the survey.